my dad was one of those guys who worked his tail off to no avail. Like he, he, had a, he was a fireman, and when he had his days off, he, was, um, he poured concrete and did like miscellaneous odd jobs. And none of it ever seemed to matter. And maybe, you know, maybe it was financial decisions that he made that caused that. But I remember growing up feeling the burden of poverty and, and, and kind of living in a trailer park with a family of five in a place where it just, there wasn't much. You know, meals were, um, and, and I'm not saying like poverty, like, Kenny probably came back from Indonesia where they really experienced poverty. But growing up, we didn't, we didn't have a lot, and we went without. And I was thinking today, or through this last week, just how different my life is today. I live in San Diego. You guys live in San Diego? Who lives here? Who lives in San Diego? Raise your hand. I go to lunch sometimes during the week, and I sit out on the patio of whatever restaurant I'm at, because every restaurant pretty much has a patio, because it's San Diego, right? <laughs> and I cannot believe that I live here. And I just praise God. I just praise Him, not because uh, living here is an idol to my heart, but because He's just faithful. He's generous. He's beyond generous. Sorry, Vince, I dropped your phone. <laughs> so as I reflect on my life, um, and I think about the generosity of God, I want to really get three, a couple of things, maybe two or three things today. Um, just the idea that God so loved the world that he gave He so loved the world that he gave. I want to get, I want us to get the idea, the, the truth that Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, is God's love on display, his generosity on display. Jesus is the best example of God's generosity on display. And then I want to, I want us to get that he gave and he loved so that we could give and love. His generosity is meant to be reciprocated. Does that make sense? You tracking so far? Okay. Why is it important? Why is it important that we understand God's generosity? I'd like for this to be a little bit interactive if, if you guys are willing. Why is it important? Yeah, we, we kind of need that, don't we? We kind of need to think and remember that without God, we really wouldn't have anything. Man, whose kid is that? Who raised that child? <laughs> we need to realize that God gave us everything. And sometimes we're selfish, right? Brian? Yeah. 
How many of you have been impacted by the generosity of God here? How so? Who's been impacted? How? Marco? You got sent to Japan on a missions trip without paying for it. Patricia? Yes. Yeah. David. Okay. So, so people giving not just their finances, because we have this conversation and everybody kind of goes to money, but you're talking about time, right? People giving of their time. Someone raised a hand over here. I would just say that I think God gives us actually the ability to learn the ways of the Spirit and the ways of the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes perspective. Uh, can be the world of, of two or the difference of two worlds. Go ahead. That's awesome. See, and that that's a good example of something that's it's not about money, right? It's about time. It's about someone really caring. And really it's important the question I asked before is why is it important? Because it impacts the lives of, of this community. It impacts the lives of the family, right? Because we're all adopted into the family of God. We're now sons and daughters of the king. And so generosity among one another is huge. It impacts us, doesn't it? It also kind of reveals our family culture. And when I say that, I mean... Our level of generosity and, and loving one another, that kind of reveals what our family's really like, doesn't it? John chapter 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. That statement, by this all people will know. By what? By the way we love one another. By our generosity towards one another. He doesn't say by this some of these people will know. 
He says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. So being generous and the idea of, of giving is important because it's really what Jesus says here is the way he's going to show everybody who he is. Hang on, wake up a minute. By this is the way that Jesus says he's going to show who he is. This is a huge thing. The way we love one another and our generosity, how we give and, and serve one another, is huge. All the stories that you guys just said were stories that are examples of this. I want to stop for a minute and pray because I think we're at a point here where I really want to ask the Holy Spirit to open our hearts to some things. So if you would, bow your heads and pray with me. Father God, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you have been more than generous with us. Thank you that you continue to be generous towards us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come you would open our hearts to hear the truth of who you are and the truth you want us to know today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite you guys to re-listen to or re-engage into a story. Because there's a story that uh, you probably already know. There's a story that is going to be really familiar, but maybe that you've forgotten, because I know I do. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created all things. And he created a man and a woman, and he told them, here's how you live the best possible life. You know, these are all the things that I want you to, to know about living in relationship with me. And here are some things that will help you live well together, to love one another. There's one thing I really don't want you to do, and it's this, this tree. I don't want you to eat of this fruit, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can have anything other, any other fruit of any other tree, just don't eat this one. And what happened? Everybody knows the story, right? What happened? Yeah, they disobeyed. They rebelled against God. Sin. Rebellion against God is sin. And it, it began this epic story, right? This creation, this fall from grace. It began an epic story of what we call redemption. It's God taking all of history and saying, okay, these people rebelled against me. I'm going to redeem them. And he created a people for himself, right? He went and he picked a guy out and he said, hey, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And he made a covenant with this guy. And he said, I'm going to be you're God and you're going to be my people. He said, your people will grow to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. Through you, I'm going to bless the entire earth. And this people began to obey God, right? Initially. And then it, they started getting rebellious like the first man and woman. And over and over again, you see this pattern of these people God chose for himself rebel against him, 
And over and over he restored them and he rescued them. And he went after them. There was a time when they were in slavery to the Egyptians and God chose a guy to help them get out of slavery. He said, I want you, this guy named Moses. He said, I want you to go to this ruler of the Egyptians. I want you to tell him to let my people go now. So Moses was like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. I need help. Can I bring my brother? Right? And God said, I'm telling you, go do it. Go tell this guy. So he went, and this leader of the Egyptians said, no, I'm not letting your people go. And I'm obviously paraphrasing like the, the most of the story. But the gist of it is, God freed these people from slavery. And he brought them to a place where he said, I'm going to bring you to a place, this land that's flowing with milk and honey, and I'm going to set up some laws and covenants. I'm going to remind you of my covenant to you. I'm going to set up some laws, how you can live and represent me. How many of you guys have seen this and read it? How many of you understand what it says? That started here. That started the giving, this tithe, this demonstration of understanding for God's people that he provides for them, started at this part of the story. He said, I want you to give. I'm going to give a tenth of this. I want you to give a tenth of that. I want you to give this. And during this season, I want you to give that. And it ended up, God pretty much told him, hey, about 25 to 35 percent of what you provide, what you take in from the harvest or the money you make or the little goats you raise or the sheep or the cattle or the crops that you grow, 25 to 35 percent of that I want you to give to the people that I've set aside as priests. He said, they don't have an inheritance he said, what you give as an offering, as a tithe, as a token of remembrance that I'm your God and I provide for you, that, that's for them. That's going to be for them to eat and support their families. And he set up this law this system of laws. And he invited people to be his people. He invited them to be that way so they could demonstrate to the rest of the world what he was like. And they did it perfectly, right? And they all lived happily ever after, didn't they? Is that what happened, Tyson? No. No. They rebelled again and again, and he rescued them again and again. And they wanted kings, because all the other nations of the world had kings, and they wanted uh, generals and armies. And then God gave them prophets. And eventually, God just went silent. For 400 years. And then one day, this 
young woman, found out she was pregnant. She'd never been with her boyfriend at the time. Miraculously, she was pregnant with the Son of God. And that began this journey, this, this, this point in the story where God intervened in the person of Jesus. And in Christ, God demonstrates the generosity in perfection. Because he came and he did what? He lived this life, right? He lived this perfect life that we couldn't live. That Adam and Eve, in the very beginning, God said, hey, it's all yours. Everything, this garden, this earth, this world, multiply, be naked together, and not be ashamed. Nakedness meaning, not just physically, but emotionally, intellectually, honest and open and seen and known to one another. And Jesus came and he, he lived that. And as you guys know the story, what happens next? What happens to Jesus? Hannah, yeah, he went to the cross and he died. He was crucified. And death couldn't hold him, could it? He what? He rose from the dead. That's right, Derek. He did. And he invited us to be sons and daughters. Matthew 6. If you guys want to turn with me to, in your Bibles to Matthew 6, verse 19. I'm going, to talk, I'm going to look at something Jesus says about generosity. About what our hearts should be or what he, where he wants our hearts to be. Matthew 6, verse 19 to 21. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then in verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will have the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one, the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So this guy, Jesus, this God-man, who lived perfectly, who was raised from the dead, some of the things he says we should probably pay attention to, right? He knows, right? He knows that 
our Father, God the Father, He owns everything anyway. Right? Doesn't He? Doesn't He own everything? John 1.3 says, All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Deuteronomy 10.14 says, Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heavens and the earth with all that is in it. Our Father, our Dad, owns everything. So as we think about how our hearts are, are weaved together with our desires, are we storing things up? How many of you store things up? I do. It's like orphans. A friend of mine has, uh, he and his wife adopted a baby, uh, an orphan child who was about four years old. Um, when they brought him home, they would find like half-eaten apples in his, under his pillow and stuff all around his room and stuff that they'd give him to have to eat. And he would just, like, hide it and store it and find it. He didn't understand that he was theirs. He was their son. He didn't understand that what he was given was his. It was already his. He didn't have to hide it and store it. It was what the parents owned was his. What our father owns, it's already ours. So we don't have to store it. Are we living like an orphan? Where we don't believe we're truly adopted as God's sons and daughters, as as family. It's kind of crazy to think of, right? We do that. Our dad owns everything, but we do that. The other thing that Jesus talks about here is that things are things of this world. They're vulnerable. Right? Does food stay good? What happens to it? It goes bad. It spoils. Huh? It's, it's, gr- it's gross. It gets rotten. That's right. Yeah. why we have to go to grocery stores. It's why we have refrigerators. It's amazing. People steal stuff. Even the metal stuff that seems like it's indestructible, it gets rusty, right? That's what this passage says. People, people, uh, if you own a house, how many of you own a house or have owned a house? How many of you just bought your house and never had to do anything again to it? wears down, termites get to it. It's crazy. The things we try to store up are not going to last. If they were going to last, don't you think God would like hoard them in? Don't you think Jesus would have? If that was what was valuable when Jesus was here, don't you think he would have said, hey man, store up everything you can because that's what really matters. If it was what mattered. I know that sounds weird, but he's saying it's not worth anything. It's, it's worthless. What's worth is your relationship with your Father in heaven. What's worth something is your 
relationship with one another. What's worth something is people knowing me so they can be known by my Father. First Timothy 6 or 7 says, For we brought nothing into the world, and we, cannot, we can take nothing out of the world. The other thing that this passage is teaching us is that what we see as valuable reveals the condition of our hearts. What we look to for satisfaction tells what condition our heart is in. What's valuable to you? What is it? Are you holding on to that like this? Or are you holding on to it like this, with open hands? Do you have a closed fist? Or do you have an open hand with those things? What's truly valuable? I saw a video on Facebook. I'm sure many of you saw it. These people from China, they got a box that was showing this video. This box came in, and they came. They opened the box, and there were these Bibles. Someone had gotten Bibles through to this underground church in China. And I don't know the whole story, but I, I saw the video, and these people were like just, they were weeping because they had God's Word to, to read. It was so valuable to them. Is, is that how we see God's Word? Are we holding God's Word like this in our hearts? Are we holding our cars and our houses and our, our things? I know my children, uh, they like to say mine. And we're always talking about, hey, wait a minute, you know, is it yours? Is it really yours? It, or did God provide that for you to use and share and steward? Luke 18 talks about this rich ruler um, where he came to Jesus and, he, and Jesus said, hey, go sell all. He said, how can I follow you, Jesus? And the rich young ruler said, or Jesus said, go sell all you have and distribute to the poor and then follow me. And when he had when he heard what Jesus said, he became really sad and he left because he was very rich. I think as we think about the things that God has given us, how we manage those things or steward those things, whether it's money or or the possessions, whatever it is that God's provided for us, how we manage that and steward that is a true indication of what is really valuable to us. Our decisions around those things reveal what our true priorities are. It reveals the condition of our heart. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says to keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. When we 
desire money or things for our satisfaction. We're really just allowing that to corrupt what, who we really are. Which, if we're in Christ, who are we? Who are we if we're in Christ? Say that again. We're sons and daughters, right? If our dad owns the cattle on a thousand hills, who are we? We're owners of the cattle on a thousand hills, aren't we? This passage says you can't serve God and money. You can serve one or the other. You'll either love one and hate the other. If you've experienced God's grace, and I think you have, because I, I know when I was sitting over here, I was looking around watching people worship Jesus in the time of music and, and singing. And it was really cool to see that the grace of God has brought you here today. You've been impacted by it. You've experienced God's grace. So if you've experienced God's grace then you are free, right, to have a different way of thinking and looking at the things that you have. I'm going to say that again. If you've been impacted, if you've experienced the grace of God, then you're free to look at all the things that you have and think about them differently than, it, than you have in the past. You're free to hold those things with open hands. You're free to let people crash at your house. You're free to let people use your car. You're free to give someone else money to go to the marriage retreat or the conference. You're free to give up your Tuesday night and hang out with someone who's having some problems and, and help counsel them and love them and gospel their hearts. God's grace has freed you to do that. Jesus on the cross has freed you to look at it. All that you have is not your own. So do we do that? Do we see what God has given to us as his to manage, to steward? Do we? How do we measure that? How do you measure that? <laughs> you guys keep looking up. How do you measure that? How do you find out? Where's your treasure? Yeah. 
Do you give of your first fruits? Do you, do you take in, just really practically, do you say, you know what? God provided me a job. He's given me an income. Do you look at your income and say, you know what? As an act of worship, I want to recognize that God provides all of my income, 100%, and I want to give. Do you do that? Do you give of your time? Do you give of your resources? Do you give of your possessions? I'm not saying these things because I want you to be like burdened under a law of, of tithe like we talked about God setting up back in the Old Testament. I'm saying it because I want you guys to be free. I want to be free. I want us to see that what Jesus did on the cross frees us to just be arms wide open with everything that we have. I want us to see as a people, as family, that all that we have is not our own. Like in the book of Acts, the early church when they were what? They were selling their things and and giving it to those who are in need. It's like crazy. Would we do that? We would think that's nuts today, wouldn't we? We would be like, oh, that's a cult. You know, when God set a people aside and he asked them to give, it's kind of weird because he, he's our dad. He owns everything. He created everything. It's kind of weird that he would ask the people he created that he provides for to give back. He could have easily provided abundance for everybody. But I think, I think in a way, I think he wanted us to see a little bit about what he's like. And I think like we talked about a little bit earlier, I think he wanted other people who who didn't know him, who don't know him, to see what he's like by the way we give to one another, the way we're generous towards one another. And And he did it best through Christ, like I said before. So... God so loved the world that he gave. He gave Jesus to die for our sins. And this, this life and death and resurrection of Christ, of Jesus, is, is the ultimate display of God's generosity. Amen? Don't you guys see that? So what does that inform today for us? What does that do for us? What does it mean? Does it free you? Does it free you to say, you know what? God gave everything. I can give everything. I'm free to give everything.
He gave so that we could give, so that we could demonstrate what he's like to everybody else. He doesn't know him yet. I'm going to close today with communion. And I'm going to invite you guys to get together and take communion together. And as you do that, as you get the bread and dip it in the, in the wine, the bread that represents the body of Christ being broken and the wine that represents his blood being poured out, I want you to get in a group of people, whether you're in a gospel community group, if you're new and visiting, just jump into one of the circles. But let's take some time, and I want you guys to go around. And what I want you to do is, is remember the generosity of God that you're holding in your hand. That's Jesus' body and blood, or that represents that. And I want you to talk amongst yourselves, to talk about how you can be generous because of what Jesus did. And I want you to talk about that and say, you know what, I've been thinking about this today, and this is how I think I can respond. This is how I, how I feel maybe God's freeing me to be generous because he's been generous to me. This is, so take, take your time, and, and we'll take, you know, 15, 20 minutes to just take communion together. Cool? Can we do that? All right. I'm going to ask you guys to pray with me real quick. God, I thank you that you have been so generous to me to these people, to your family, to your people. I thank you that this isn't a call for everybody to shape up and get right and do the right thing. This is not that. Father, I thank you that we can't do that. I thank you that you've demonstrated to us that only you, only you can do what is good and right and perfect, always. I pray that we would understand that our level and our ideas and our generosity can only come from knowing the love of our Father, from knowing our Savior, Jesus Christ. It only come from being filled with the Holy Spirit that you've promised. Father, we confess that we can't live generous lives unless we've first been generously served by Jesus. We confess that we, can't, we don't have anything to give unless we receive what you've given to us. And so as we take communion, as we celebrate the body of Christ broken for us and his blood spilled for us, we remember receive and give us God we pray that you would change our hearts that we would be that we would be scandalously generous to one another and to this city people would see and know that we're your disciples God I pray that if we're struggling today with that. You help us to repent. You bring repentance to our hearts. 
we're not. Get together and talk about why what he did frees you. 